Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Thank you. And good morning, everybody. Oh, that wasn't very enthusiastic. Um, good, good morning, everybody. I remember when I first came to this church, I remember that it was the noisiest church I'd ever been to. When they had the shaking hands time, the pastor couldn't ever get, get you back to your seat. I, may those days be returned again when you become a noisy church again. Great, great to be back here today and great to be with uh, Pastor Shane and Rachel and also to have another tour of the airport car park that I have every year because he cannot find his car. Happens every year. And I know that you love your pastor, but I need to tell you a story. Do you remember, do you remember last year I made a derogatory comment about country and Western music? Do you remember that? Well, did you know that from here all the way to the airport that Sunday night, he played country and Western music in his car the entire one and a quarter hours all the way to the airport. I was so depressed by the time I got to the airport. I just want you to know that's the type of pastor that you have. And probably knowing you, you love him all the more uh, also. But really great to be with you and hello to all the people online and thank you for inviting me into your home this morning and I hope you're enjoying your coffee because I would love to have a coffee uh, right now also. As your pastor mentioned, we've had a really dry year in Melbourne and this is glorious Melbourne weather uh, outside. I know you don't believe me, but this, that's what, what, what's been happening. Before I get into the message and I'm itching to preach this morning because I really feel like I've got a word from God, not just a sermon not just a teaching, but really proclaiming what I believe is the heart and the word of God. And I want to encourage you today, don't just listen to my voice audibly, but open up your heart and just listen to what the Spirit would say as well, because I believe he wants to do something. There was an amazing sense of God's presence in our worship before, where we could have just sat in silence, in awe and reverence of our great God. And whenever you have manifest presence like that, he is here to do something. So may we have an expectancy today in Jesus' name. Before I do, I just want to say thank you to this church for your faithful support in what we do in leading the ministry called World Outreach. Uh, World Outreach uh, turned 90 during the week. We're a 90-year-old mission. It was started by an Australian in New Zealand many, many years ago. It started off very small. And today we have uh, 267 missionaries serving in 33 countries. And our focus is the unreached people groups of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but during the the pandemic, I thought everything would be fairly quiet. We had last year the largest number of people applying for missionary service that we've ever had in the history of our mission. The greatest number of people applying for missionary service. We saw the greatest number of engagement with unreached people groups we've ever seen before also. So just remember, even though there's uh, wars and there's, there's, there's catastrophes all over the world, God is still at work. No matter what is happening in the world, God is still at work. May we remember that and always be focused upon God is doing some great things. So our focus is unreached people groups. Um, I haven't got time to talk about that today, but if you want to know more, there's a number of brochures and magazines available at the information counter, and you're welcome to take a look because your church is partnering in what we're doing in some of the most remote parts of the world that no one else wants to go to, we are there and we're making a difference. And I just want to say thank you for that. All right, I want to turn to the scriptures this morning and I'm going to turn your attention. I've felt drawn to one passage of scripture. It's found in the book of Joshua chapter 3 and in just a moment I'll read a couple of verses from there. My text today will be Joshua 3 verses, um, you can put 
that's it, verses 1 to 5. And the title of my message today is Crossing Over. Many of you feel like God is something bigger and greater for me than I'm touching right now, but I don't know how to get there. And you just feel thwarted. And I believe today is going to be a day of crossing over. And this, this passage has really come alive to me uh, over recent days. The title of my message today, Crossing Over, is found from verse number one, which reads, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. So let me just paint the background and the context for you before we begin to unpack and apply this text to our lives. Moses was dead. And a leadership transition had taken place. And Joshua was the new appointed and anointed leader of the children of Israel. This was the end of a season and the beginning of a new one. And I want to say this morning, Shell Harbor, this is the end of the season. And you're in that transitional period of moving into a brand new season. It was no longer going to be like it was under yesterday, under Moses. It was a new day and it was a new way. God was about to do something new. And the Lord was about to reposition his people into the place of promise that God had spoken to them many, many years before. It was time to cross over. And like the conquest generation, God is calling us to move from where we are to where he intends that we would be in him. To cross over from our present position to our prophetic position. To cross over from the mundane wanderings in the wilderness for two years of pandemic to possess the place of promise. To cross over from the crippling failures of the past into unprecedented breakthroughs in the future. To cross over from the dryness of the wilderness into the refreshing of the territory before us. To cross over from the place of testing to the place of triumph. It was time for the people to cross over. But the big question was how? How were the people to move from where they were and had been for 40 years to the place where God wanted them to be? So what we'll do today is just begin to unpack this passage and look at a number of principles we learn about how we can cross over. Number one is this. We must face our challenges, our obstacles positively. If we are to cross over, we must face our challenges and our obstacles positively. So in the context, the children of Israel were camped by the Jordan River, which, because of the season, happened to be in flood. Verse 15 of this chapter says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Now please remember, the Israelites are being led by God. They're finally in the right place at the right time with the right with the right attitude, ready to go. They're taking one step toward their destiny and they encounter a huge flooded river. They're in the right place at the right time in the will of God and there's a massive obstacle before them, a flooded river. Now the flooded Jordan River represents many things in our lives, like barriers to, 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 to our growth. It could be a lack of finance, inadequacy, inferiority, the devil's intimidation, impossibility. And maybe you're reasoning along the lines of, how can I move into what God has for me? How can I move and cr cross over to where, where God is leading me with that 
in the way with this impossible circumstance before me. You may remember today that every new step in God will always come with inherent challenges. That is why the Christian life is a life of faith. We are not just people who focus upon the visible. We are people who focus upon the invisible. We are people who are not intimidated by the limitation or the opposition or restriction. But we live a life of trust in a powerful God for whom nothing is impossible. And we can boldly declare today, no matter what our circumstances are, that nothing is impossible with our great God. You know, I love that quote of Winston Churchill when he said, Kites rise highest against the wind, not with it. And you may feel that there are winds of adversity against you today. And I want to say to you today that God is just going to use that thing to take you higher than you have ever been before in Him. And the lesson we learn here with with, with this point is, never make problems your starting point. Always make God's purposes your starting point. Never make problems your starting point. Make God's purpose your starting point. Don't focus upon the problem, but focus upon the promises. Don't let the bigness of the obstacle overwhelm you, but let the bigness of your God sustain and strengthen you today in Jesus' name. And why? Because God can make a way where there is no way. Now, the children of Israel, there's no hint hint among them that they were overwhelmed by the flooded Jordan River. When you read this text, they were not intimidated at all. And this is so unlike their complaining forefathers who feared death at the Red Sea as Pharaoh and his army were thundering toward them. Maybe this new generation learned the lessons from the past. Maybe they remembered that God blew an east wind and that wind divided the Red Sea and made a pathway for the children of Israel to cross over toward the promised land. God made a way where there was no way. Maybe these people remembered that the very forces of nature itself are subject to the word and the will of God Almighty. Maybe these people finally understood that their God could be trusted and can do whatever is necessary to reposition his people and to get them to the other side. And I pray that today we would remember and we would remind ourselves that our God can do anything to accomplish his purposes. For example, he brought walls down, he fed his people in the desert, he made the sun stand still, he sent destructive hail on an enemy, he brought water out of a rock, he stilled the winds and the waves, and the list could go on and on and on. These things are written in God's eternal word to remind us and encourage us that he's a God who does these type of things. There are some people today who need to hear this. God can make a way where there is no way. God can get you through to the other side. But how can we face our challenges positively? Well, we need to exercise believing faith. We need to pray specifically. We need to fill ourselves with with the Word of God. We need to be speaking words of life. We need to be trusting God. Let me repeat the point again, that if we are to cross over, we must face our challenges positively. Number two, a second thing I see in this passage that we learn from the children of Israel about how they crossed over. Number two, 
we must follow God's presence faithfully. Follow God's presence faithfully. So the leaders were sent throughout the camp with this order. Verse number three. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So the people were instructed to move out in order to be able to cross over. They had to move from where they had been camped for so long. But they weren't to move haphazardly or random or carelessly, and nor were they to move for the sake of it. They were clearly instructed, follow the ark. When God moves, you move. When you see God moving, you move as well. Well, what was the ark? Well, here, here is a, a depiction or a picture of what the ark looked like in those days. It was a wooden chest covered and overlaid with gold within and without. The important thing was, what was inside of the ark? Well, according to Hebrews 9, verse number 4, there were three things inside of the ark. There were the stone tablets in which God had written the Ten Commandments. There was a golden jar containing a measure of manna uh, that fed the people in, in the wilderness. And there was Aaron's rod that had budded. But importantly, what did the ark symbolize? Well, the ark represented the throne of God upon the earth. It represented God's presence among his redeemed people. It represented the glory of God revealed in divine worship and order. So the ark of God represented God's rule, God's presence, and God's glory. God's rule, God's presence, and God's glory. And in order for the people to cross over, to move to where God wanted them to be, to the place of promise, they had to follow the symbol of God's presence. They had to come under the rule of God. They had to acknowledge the glory of God. And why? Why were the people ordered to follow God's presence faithfully? Verse number four tells us, For, for the leaders then said, Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. They had to follow because they had never been this way before. In the desert, they had been on endless cycles and on well-trodden paths, but now it was time to move into something new. They had never been this way before. God was about to take them into uncharted territory. Up until this day, they'd had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. But now once they hit the Jordan, no more cloud, just the ark, just the leading of the presence of God. This was the next level in their journey, complete reliance upon the presence of God. No more visible signs, just the leading of the presence of God. But what does this mean for us here, here today? In a New Testament context, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering and indwelling presence. The temple of God is now within us. We are the priests. We are the carriers of the divine presence. And friends, we have never been this way before. In this post-pandemic world, it may look completely different than it ever has before. But this is what I want to say. God is going to guide us. And what's really encouraging for me is He's already on the other side. And He knows where He is taking us. And He's waiting for us. And He will guide us. And we've never been this way before so we have got to follow the symbol or, or God's presence what is the lesson here 
that if we are to cross over, friends, we've got to have a really strong spiritual life. And we must rely upon the Spirit, upon the guidance of God to lead us in our everyday world. And we must follow Him. And this demands that we take time in prayer, time in the Word, time in praying in the Spirit, time in heartfelt worship and adoration of God, time in waiting before God in meditation, time in listening for His voice. What I'm trying to say is this, keep your eyes upon the ark. Listen for what the Lord is saying and watch for what the Lord is doing and be sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know, all through Australia at the moment, because of the, of the, of the pandemic, there's a lethargy in many churches and, and many Christians. And friends, I want to say today, it is time to be awakened. It is time to arise. It's time to have a fresh encounter with Jesus and really rediscover Jesus and let our spiritual life come alive in the name of Jesus. Let us follow Him. Let us not just keep wandering in the desert year in, year out, with the same mountain year in, year out. It is time to cross over. So the point being that we must follow his presence faithfully. Number three, a third thing I see in this passage about how we can cross over is that we must consecrate ourselves expectantly. Consecrate ourselves expectantly. So the people are camped on the Jordan River and the leaders have just moved throughout the whole camp instructing the people to follow the presence of God, to follow the Ark of the Covenant because they needed God's guidance. But then in verse number five, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I paraphrase those words, consecrate yourself expectantly. In the Old Testament days, it was a ritual consecration where where they would go through the appropriate cleansings and the prescribed cleansings in order to meet with God. The actual word consecration can mean set apart, clean, to make holy, to sanctify. But there there were two aspects to the concept of consecration in in Scripture. On the one hand, consecration meant separation from. But on the other hand, it meant dedication unto. So in in other words, in order for the people to be able to cross over where God wanted them to be, there was a very clear call, you need to prepare your hearts. You need to prepare your lives. You need to consecrate yourselves for what God is about to do. And that means separating ourselves from everything unclean, questionable, carnal, the things that we've been putting off in our lives, the secret things, the unaddressed issues in our lives, our marriages, our our, our thinking, our, our hearts. We've just got to absolutely separate ourselves from everything that's not right with God. But we're also called to dedicate ourselves to Him. And the scripture that really captures this is Romans 12, verse number 1. And for 11 chapters, Paul has been writing about the mercy of God and the grace of God and and all of that. And now he calls for a response. And he says, let us present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, may we today abandon ourselves to Jesus. May we fully, unconditionally, irrevocably surrender our all to Jesus and start living the type of life He wants us to live, a Jesus-centered, Jesus-glorifying, Jesus-focused, Jesus-filled life. 
may we today come to that place of surrender. Because surrender to Jesus is not limitation, it is liberation. Let me say it again. That surrender, full surrender to Jesus is not limitation, but it is liberation. When we are wholly and fully surrendered to Him, we find who we really are. We find what we're on the earth to do. We find a fruitfulness that we have never known before. May we today, in the name of Jesus, let Jesus have all of us and surrender our all to Him and consecrate ourselves fully to Him. If there's one thing I'm hearing for what the Spirit is saying throughout the world at the moment, it's these words, consecrate yourselves and get ready. Now, why? Why did Joshua tell, tell the people to consecrate themselves? For he goes on to say at the end of verse, verse number five, this is why, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. In other words, Joshua was calling the people to prepare themselves. He was calling them to get ready. The Lord was about to do something they had never seen before. But unless the people prepared themselves through separation and dedication, they may not be in a spiritual position to receive what God was about to do. In other words, please hear me today, unless they prepared themselves, they might miss out on what God was about to do because it's so easy to miss prophetic moments. It's so easy to miss the prompting of God. And if ever there was a word for us today, it's this one. Prepare yourself, consecrate yourself, for the Lord is going to do amazing thing, things among you. And shall harbor today, I just want to say to you, and I feel to say it with all of my heart, but may you have a renewed sense of expectancy for tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. Let us have a renewed sense that God is about to break out. But often what happens is many people reduce their expectation to the level of their experience. Oh, this is how it's always been. This is how it's always going to be, Sunday after Sunday, day after day. But as I read the Scripture, friends, things don't have to be as they are, and things don't have to be as they have been. But may we today begin to expect answers to long-prayed prayers. May we today expect breakthroughs in areas that thus far have not yielded. May we expect today the Lord to do more in you and through you and in the church and through the church than He's ever done before. Let me give you some examples. Bartimaeus was sitting on a roadside year in and year out with, any, without, with no hope of a different future until one day Jesus of Nazareth walked past and totally changed his life. Hannah was intoxicated with sorrow because she was infertile until one day God heard her silent prayer and gave her a son and his name was Samuel. David was a forgotten son, mining sheep on a Judean hillside until one day God said, I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to make you the most powerful king of Israel that the nation has ever known. In one day, with one touch, by one word, God can change everything. May today we lift the level of our expectation. In other words, shall harbour Get ready because the time is nearly right. God is about to do what He has promised and you are going to experience Him in an unprecedented way. But we need to consecrate ourselves and get ourselves ready. Number four. A fourth thing I see in this passage about 
how we can cross over. Number four is this, is to fulfill God's commands obediently. Fulfill God's commands obediently. So Joshua has just instructed the people to consecrate themselves in expectation of God's supernatural imminent intervention in their lives. But now their preparation must be matched by action. They needed to take obedient steps of faith. Verse 14 reads, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And there comes a time in everybody's journey of faith when we must radically obey the Lord, even though what God is asking us to do may not make any sense at all. Think about Peter in the boat when he called out to Jesus who was walking on the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter did something astonishing. He got out of the boat. He got out of his comfort zone. He got out of his security and he walked upon the water. And it was only when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves and felt the wind in his face, he started to sink. But the important thing was he took a step of faith. Friends today, if we are to cross over to where God wants us to be, there comes a time when we have to leave our security zone, leave all our comforts, and just radically obey the Lord. Back to the story. So for the Israelites to cross over, there was a combination of divine power and human cooperation. I've always found in the Christian life, there is something only God can do and something we must do. They had to prepare themselves for the miracle, but then they had to step out. And by God's leading, we take every step in the natural and then the supernatural takes over. May we be obedient to what God is telling us to do right now. Let me give you two examples from Scripture. Do you remember that time when Jesus spoke to Simon and said, put out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch? And Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Jesus, you don't know what it's like being out there and dragging in the nets and there's just nothing and you feel like a failure and my hands are sore and my, my back is sore and I just want to have a rest. But then Peter said, nevertheless, Jesus, because you are speaking to me, I will let down the nets one more time. And what, what was the result? A miraculous catch of fish. It was so big, they had to call other boats to come along beside them to help them. And obedience to a quickened word from God unlocks the supernatural in our lives. And maybe you're saying today, look, I've tried, I've been out there, I feel like Peter, I feel like I've just been working over and over again. I want to encourage you, obey him one more time doing what he's telling you to do one more time. Because friends, God wants you on the other side as much as you want to get to the other side. Or do you remember that, that story, the, the second example of Elijah on Mount, Mount Carmel when he was challenging the prophets of Baal. He built the altar, he dug the trench, he arranged the wood, he laid the bull on top, he soaked it in water three times and then he prayed. Listen to his prayer, it'll, it'll be on the screen. Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. 
Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their backs, you are turning their hearts back again. So in other words, Elijah is praying, I have done everything that you have told me to do. I've done these things at your command. Now, Lord, you do what only you can do. And the result was, in the very next verse, verse number 38, And the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. One of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament, all because Elijah obeyed the Lord. There was something he had to do and then something only God can do. And I would encourage you today, in the name of Jesus, prepare yourself and obey Him because God wants you to cross over. And number five, the last one. The fifth and final principle I see in this passage about how we can cross over, what we can learn from them about how to cross over. And this is the most important point. And this is the essence of what I want to say here, here today. Number five, maintain your faith position determinedly. Maintain the posture of your faith determinedly. In verse eight, The Lord instructed the priests, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And the faith of the priests was only put to the test when they put their feet into the water. The only people who experienced cold feet were those out in front, but they had to maintain their faith position determinedly. And I want to encourage you, maybe you have taken a position of faith, but nothing has happened. And maybe you feel like, like, like they did. Oh, my feet are getting cold, and this arc on my shoulders is getting really very, very heavy. And maybe you've taken a step of faith, and, and nothing has happened immediately. Perhaps there's no dry ground appearing before you. And maybe your feet are just getting really, really cold. Maybe remember, friends, it doesn't matter what we feel in our feet but what we're carrying upon our shoulders. And as we are obedient to do what God has put in our heart to do, something happens. Maintain your faith position determinedly. Verse 15 reads, Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up a great distance away. As their feet touched the water, the water stopped flowing upstream. There was no immediate indication that the miracle had taken place, but the miracle was on the way. And even though they couldn't see any difference to their circumstance, from the moment that they obeyed, the miracle was on the way. And when you do what God is telling you to do, even if you don't see the results straight away, the miracle is on the way. And Shell Harbour and Shane and Rachel and to all of you today, this is what I want to say as loudly and as passionately as I possibly can. The miracle is on the way. The breakthrough is on the way. On the way. The answers to prayer are on the way. Deliverance is on the way. The answers to the promises are on the way. Healing is on the way. Just maintain your faith position determinedly. And don't be put off by those cold moments, but stand your ground. And even though you're feeling it in cold and the ark is getting heavy, stand your ground. 
Well, it wasn't long before the, the water stopped, stopped flowing and it became dry ground. And the result was this. Verses 16 and 17 read, The people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had crossed, had, had crossed on dry ground. They were miraculously enabled to cross over. In Shell Harbor, I just have this real strong sense. Something big is about to happen in this place. I've got no doubt about it. Let me just uh, summarize and close. We've been having a look today at what we can learn from the children of Israel about how we can cross over from where we are to that place of promise. And we've seen, number one, that we must face our challenges positively. I don't know what your flood, flooded Jordan River is, but this is what I do know. God can make a way where there is no way. God is a God who is a miracle-working God. Number two, we saw that we must follow God's presence faithfully, to follow what he's saying, to, to go with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. What is God saying to you at the moment? What is God doing inside of you? Follow God's presence faithfully. Thirdly, consecrate yourself expectantly. God's Spirit is calling for people to really separate themselves, to die to this world and the things of this world and realize there is a greater reality, though invisible, which is God and the things of God. May we consecrate ourselves, but also have a renewed sense of expectancy that God is about to do amazing things. Number four, fulfill God's commands obediently. Have you fully done what God has put in your heart to do? And number five, maintain your faith faith position determinedly. Don't give up and don't give in and don't surrender. Don't capitulate, but stand your ground today in Jesus' name and believe in a posture of faith that something big is about to happen. Finally, at the Lord's initiative, Joshua commanded the priest to come up out of the water. And in the next chapter, in chapter 4, verse 18, it reads, And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord, And no sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. What's sobering here is is that the miraculous opening only lasted for a short time and then the waters went back. In, In other words, God was giving them an opportunity to cross and if not, they would miss that opportunity. And I've often wondered why, and I I think to myself, well, I think what happens is when they get to the other side and they face Jericho, they may be tempted to go back to the predictable, back back, back to the the cycles of the desert again. So it was like the, the, the water was open as if to say, Lord, I'm crossing over. I've made a decision today. I want to move into all that you have. So my prayer for you today, Shall Harbour is, may we today be resolute in our heart No matter what is happening, we are going to cross over in Jesus' name. Would you mind standing with me, please? I would love us to sing that song. Rachel, if you could come back. That we were singing before, you are worthy of it all. But before we do that, just with eyes closed for a moment, just in an attitude of prayer. Out of all that I've been preaching about today, what was the one thing? that was the word of the Lord to you. The one phrase, the one principle, the one scripture, the one thought 
What was the word of the Lord to you? Before we go any further, we just need to just tune into God and just respond to His word to us today and what He was saying to us today. Can we just take a moment, please? What was the one thing that was the word of the Lord to you? Are you facing your challenges positively? Are you following God's presence faithfully? Are you consecrating yourself expectantly? Are you obeying Him fully? Are you standing your ground? Just take a moment, please. Just before Him, just in quiet prayer, just to talk to Him about that thing. And then we'll move on in our service. Welcome, you're home.